Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 4, Episode 3, Rocky Road. The original air date of this episode was October 12, 2014. The writers were David H. Goodman and Jerome Schwartz, the latter of which is the only crew member from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland to be hired for the main show. To date, Once Upon a Time is his most prolific show as a writer, as he will go on to write or co-write a total of 20 episodes. It was directed by Morgan Beggs, and the title card is the Any Given Sunday Ice Cream Parlor. We begin in Storybrooke, where Robin Hood is walking down Main Street with Marion and Roland, who asks for ice cream. No one has given Marion new clothing yet, and this woman is still wearing the same dress she wore in a dungeon. Someone please take her shopping so she can get nice, clean clothes. Robin is an idiot, and Marion doesn't trust anyone, so... <laughs> I guess there's that. <laughs> Robin tries to dissuade him as Marion hesitates, but the young dimpled manipulator says that Regina would let him get ice cream, which is a shrewd move, and I appreciated it, <laughs> backing Marion into a corner to say yes. The trio goes into any given Sunday, where the mysterious owner serves Robin and Roland some Rocky Road ice cream, and Marion vanilla ice cream on a cone with sprinkles, which she secretly casts a spell upon before giving it to her, on the house. At first, I really thought Ice Cream Lady was going to pull up, and none for Gretchen Wieners, bye, and not give <laughs> Marion any ice cream, and I was delighted. But I do think the fact that when she does give her the free cone, it's vanilla, it's a subtle dig, like she's essentially calling her basic, and I love that. <laughs> Ingrid was a really big outlaw queen shipper, and she is really mad Marion is here to throw a wrench in her ship. Yeah, the happy family, she waxes on about liking to see is definitely the happy family that was robin regina and roland see they even have a strong alliteration game like they were in for ice cream every night when when they were dating absolutely i mean okay. she knew what robin and roland wanted without asking them so that means they've been in there plenty of times so yep. she was probably like oh and who's this bitch <laughs> yeah, I feel wow like actually... your wife huh Wow. <laughs> I think we saw them eat ice cream together walking down the street last season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the three of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Although we don't know that her name is Ingrid yet. Did you want to record the line and just say ice cream lady was a big outlaw queen shipper? Or we should just clarify that that's Ingrid. Oh, yeah. Ice cream lady's name is Ingrid, by the way. Yeah, you guys are going to find that out later. We learned so much about her in this episode. We don't learn her name yet, but who cares? I feel it's like, like it's, it's a not spoiler. a really spoiler to say because okay. it's not like she's a Disney character, so it's not like we're like, oh, That's true. it was Pongo the whole time. <laughs> she so, was secretly so. Lady from Lady and the Tramp. What a oh twist! God. What a twist! <laughs> wow, well, she's Lady who's Tramp. I don't, I don't. Know. It's stealthy. <laughs> He's alive. Stealthy, he's alive. Oh, no. Or he's not, and it's tragic. Oh, oh no. no. Pour one out for Stealthy <laughs> slash Tramp, because everyone in Once Upon a Time is five different Disney characters. Mm. <laughs> anyway, elsewhere, Emma, Hook, and Elsa interrogate Mr. Gold about whether he knew Elsa was trapped inside the urn that he had in his vault of forgotten mysteries. Mr. Gold denies he did, prompting Elsa to answer her own mystery. Alas, Elsa cannot recall how she ended up in the urn. Something or someone has tampered with her memories. 
Gold maintains he does not know the story behind every object that falls into his possession, which is absolute bullshit. Yeah. And with the recent death of his son and marriage to Belle, he is determined to turn over a new leaf, which is also absolute bullshit. Hook remains suspicious, and Emma threatens to use her superpower, but Mr. Gold has Belle use the dagger on him to ensure he is telling the truth. Of course he passes, and the trio reluctantly leave. This scene is so icky and manipulative, and I am so tired, I can't believe this is what we lost Neil for. Stop lying to your wife, Rumple. Also, I just want to point out, Emma's superpower isn't something she's ever been able to, like, control. Like, it no. just it just happens. Like, it's just, she just knows this automatically. And I hate that the writers only use it when it's convenient because it's fucking sloppy. Yeah, know? I think it's because it's it's Yeah, but too... you could say that about 20 other things in the show. Yeah, I think it's just, it's too good of a superpower. Like, Emma being able to, like, guess the game every time. Sure. People are lying. Just like, just don't have her in that scene. Exactly. That's what I was singing. Yeah. Just don't have her in that scene. Just yeah. replace her with David. Yeah. Yeah. He can't tell. David. Yeah. David is beautiful and dumb as the day is long. He'd be like, <laughs> he would just be like, well, guess that's the truth. Boop, 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 yeah. Boop, boop. Yeah. He's way more. Off normal. I go to be handsome and stupid on a different street corner. <laughs> <laughs> in Arendelle of the Past, Elsa is frantic about Anna, but Kristoff trusts that Anna can hold her own. Elsa wants to dash off after her younger sister, but Kristoff talks her off of the ledge, reminding his queen that the kingdom needs her there. And you can tell Elsa is in queen mode because she's wearing the queen hairdo. Mm -hmm. It is. It is her I've got important queen business to do here. Mm -hmm. Just then, the general arrives to alert Elsa that Prince Hans is leading an army through the southern mountains towards Arendelle. Kristoff offers to scout Solo, but Elsa refuses to grant him permission on the grounds of keeping him safe. We return to present-day Storybrooke, where Mary Margaret is holding a town meeting in the mayor's office while also caring for baby Neil, shooting down David's offer to take their son. Mary Margaret quickly loses control over the crowd as they lose their shit over Elsa and the ice wall. During the scene, I was like, Archie, you started this. Don't cause panic. That's Leroy's job. Mm -hmm. I know. I was like, buddy, you're supposed to de-escalate the situation. Exactly. <laughs> Archie, like, must have, like, a fever in this episode. Yeah, he is, he, yeah Archie is wildly is out of character in this episode. Wildly out of character. I don't know, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if... It's his scroll hair. back up. I'm like, who who wrote yeah, this? That, that, that yeah, that one guy, that one new guy from Left Yeah, I, I was going to say, did he never watch a single episode of One Spot Time that had Archie oh, in God. it and was just like, I guess this is how he acts? His hair is also a slightly darker red mm -hmm. instead of I the normal, like, that. like ginger. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's maybe it's like a howl thing. And he's just like, my hair is different. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, Sophie, what have you done? <laughs> I also was very careful to mention that David is offering to take care of baby Neil. I do want to yeah. highlight that. He's a good oh, no, guy. it's true. He's he does like, kind of like reach an arm out to be like, I didn't. She's just like, ah. No, and he's my like, baby. Okay, I sit here. I I sit here and stare at the wall till you're done talking, sweetums. Yeah, yeah. Mary Margaret. Is I like, like I, having fingers. I will not set down this baby for the life of me. The last one, I didn't see her for 28 years. Well, baby Neil is not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Trauma response. So yeah, and and David is not being a dick. He's being a good dad. I just want to emphasize that because he it's is- It's true. Not. Before anyone comes in being like, well, where was David while she was doing this all by herself? Trying to help, and she was Trying not having it. Yeah. Our David's a good boy. 
He's the only good father on this show. <laughs> and he would just rather be living that happy wife, happy life moment right now. Mm-hmm. And keep all his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> As they speak, a strand of white begins to frost into Marion's hair and she collapses. Drama queen. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at Granny's diner, Henry is sipping on a mug of hot chocolate where Regina comes in and gifts him with a pile of comic books. Regina's look is everything in this episode. That t-shirt, that vest, that ponytail combo. It looks so good on her. It's a very snappy outfit. Like, Ariana, I know you're listening. You would like this outfit. It's a very gay little outfit. It's it's a very gay little outfit. It's very cute. Exactly. When it came out, I described it to Lisa as being like, it's a combination of businesswoman lesbian and I'm not like other moms. I'm a cool mom. Look, Henry, I can be <laughs> casual. <laughs> That's the scene, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm a cool mom. I buy you comics. <laughs> Does Emma buy you comics? <laughs> no. You know why? Because she's a cobra. And you know what I am? I'm a fucking mongoose. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but I'm jumping ahead. (laughs) As Henry begins flipping through one of the comic books, Regina tries to innocently remark on the origins of the storybook, but Henry sees through her immediately. Giving up any pretense, Regina confesses that as she was written as a villain, she wants to find the author of the book and make them, she amends the wording to ask the author to rewrite a happy ending for her. To Regina's delightful surprise, Henry enthusiastically agrees to help her find the author, and the two decide on the name of the mission to be Operation Mongoose. Gosh, this was such a pleasant twist of this narrative we've started here this season for Regina. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of sulking in the shadows, Regina confides in Henry and asks for his help to solve this mystery. She knows Henry is one of the most clever people in this town. One of. Probably the cleverest person is, in this town. He is honestly. bar none the smartest person in so, Storybrooke. Yeah. This show, so many times, it's like Henry's the one who figures this out. And like, trust Henry, guys. Henry knows things. He figures it out. Um, the Wesley Regina, principle. <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought this was a really nice scene and such a pleasant surprise. And where this scene probably would have gone in, you know, season two. Yeah, I mean, she does tries to skulk and be manipulative for like a hot second, but Henry Mm -hmm. is just too clever and she quickly realized that including him and being honest was the best course of action. So gold star for Regina in character growth. Mm -hmm. Love it. We love to see it. Suddenly, Robin bursts into the diner and pleads for Regina to help Marion. And I just... Robin Hood, you absolute piece of shit. You really thought it was okay and appropriate to make your ex-girlfriend take care of your wife. You complete ass. I hope you fall down a hole. Don't you see her new little gay outfit, Robin? She's trying to move on. Yeah, step off, Hood. Solve your own not-actually-dead wife problems. Henry, Regina, and Robin rush to the town hall, where Regina observes a frozen Marion. Emma and Elsa arrive, and while Regina is clearly sus of Elsa, Emma doubles down and vouches for Elsa's innocence. The Arendelle Queen states that the only way to fend off a freezing spell is an act of true love, which Regina knows, painfully, is true love's kiss. Wasting no time, Robin kisses Marion, however, nothing happens. David remarks that he has only seen this happen once, with Frederick. Oh, hey, someone finally remembered Frederick. Oh, poor Frederick. Well, I'm sure actually him and Catherine are probably doing quite well. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're great, yeah. Robin begins to panic, but Regina keeps her head, stating that every curse is different and she needs more time to study it. 
straight up though, I am very proud of Regina's growth and her just being ready to help in the situation. Like she doesn't, she doesn't need to be, but she no. does. Cause she's like, I'm better person now. And you're just like, good for you, Regina. Yeah. She's a proud of you. bigger man than I was. I am. I would have <laughs> told him to kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> when Emma decides to go and find the one truly responsible for the spell on Marion, Regina snipes her to take backup because it seems like the savior needs more saving. Emma warns Regina not to lash out at her, though she is clearly shaken by Regina's words. She then orders Killian to take Elsa to the sheriff's station to avoid the growing anxious mob. In this moment, Regina was just like, I'm angry because I'm worried about you, Emma. And Emma's like, don't be. And Killian's like, it's because we care, love. And Emma's like, you shut your mouth when you're talking to me, Killian. This is way too much affection. And that's basically how that, that last part of the scene went. I mean, I get it. I, I become agitated, confronted with too much affection sometimes. <laughs> Back in the past, Kristoff is arguing with Sven as he disobeys Elsa and secretly spies on Hans and his brothers. I do wish Hans was more of a pretty boy. I mean, this actor's handsome, don't get me wrong, but not pretty in the way animated Hans is, you know? I feel the same. None of these guys are as handsome as they actually are in real life. And Hans's actor is actually way fucking cute in like the boy next door kind of way. Because I, I remember him on Shameless as like literally the boy next door. Hans should be pretty. Pretty. Mm -hmm. With sharper features. And muscles. And muscles. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted Jojo character to play Hans. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty face and ripped as hell. Kristoff <laughs> discovers that their plan involves retrieving an urn that can trap magical beings of Elsa's kind. He returns to the castle and reports back to Elsa and her advisors. Wishing to avoid an all-out war, Kristoff and Elsa then set off in search of the urn. As they make their way toward the North Valley cave, Elsa remarks that the urn's presence must mean there are more people like her with magic which gives her hope as she has felt alone and different her whole life. She believes Kristoff might commiserate having grown up among the rock trolls, but he never felt the loneliness which has plagued Elsa. In present-day Storybrook, Emma and David are in the forest, around Robin and Marion's tent, where they split up to search for clues to whoever cast the spell. Emma discovers an intruder, and in her chase through the forest, she trips and loses him. However, David manages to capture him, the intruder is none other than our good Blorbo, our little Meow Meow, Will Scarlet, one of Robin's former merry men and also a thief, who offers a clue regarding the ice cream store, which he tried to rob on the day of the power outage. Will, I'm so happy he's here. The show just got a hundred times better and more adorable. He reveals that despite the power outage, all the ice creams seem to be strangely unmelted. The trio visits the store and verifies the truth. Although Will manages to escape after stealing money from the cash register, which, like, they just left him unsupervised while they played detective, <laughs> so I just don't know how on earth they can be surprised, honestly. He's a cheeky little boy. He's a scamp. <laughs> He's, He's a, a scamp. scamp. And I, I imagine that when he grabbed the money and ran, there was, like, a little, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Zoidberg noise as he left. Mm -hmm. I also like in the scene that we see that Emma is better at breaking and entering than Will is. That was a cute little moment, mm -hmm. too. Well, she knows the all the tricks, you know, like sometimes you got to lean against the door or maybe you just like kick it a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the best scene. The best scene in season two. Oh, my God. 
Also, I feel like from what we've seen of Will in this episode, it's absolutely clear that this Will is one from before the present day Wonderland storyline. Oh, yeah. Like, the confirms the common accepted fan timeline. It just makes sense, and I'm sticking to it. This is not a post-Wonderland episode 13 Will. It's just not. Like, this is, this is, this is classic Will. This is Wonderland episode one Will. Emma gives chase, but David stops her, reminding her of their priorities. Emma expresses self-doubt, revealing Regina's words irked her as she feels like the anti-savior, unable to rescue a kitten from a tree, which, by the way, that's actually not that easy. So, Emma, you're okay. (laughs) David urges her to keep the faith, especially in herself. Meanwhile, back at the mayor's office, Regina notes with dismay that the curse is working its way towards Marion's heart. Robin is desperate, and Regina is willing to do something drastic so long as Robin trusts her. He does, prompting Regina to send Henry to her vault for what she needs. I have to say, Regina being able to delegate to Henry shows so much growth and trust, and I am just, I'm really rooting for her here. I love a reformed Regina. Me too. Meanwhile, the town people grow agitated and irrational in a scene that makes me so goddamn angry since Granny is once again one of the first people to be jumping the gun and calling for a witch hunt on someone, and I just hate her so much. Why is she even still here? She should not be one to get on the bandwagon of witch hunts no! with her family history of being wolves. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, are you serious right now? Like, come on. Are you, are you people for did, real? People did that to you, I'm sure, and definitely did that to, to Ruby. Don't you want to not repeat that? No, because she's a hard battle axe. <laughs> Killian decides to disobey Emma, taking Elsa back to visit Mr. Gold with a strand of Marion's hair to find out who is actually behind the curse. I kind of loved Killian just turning to Elsa and being like, we are crime-solving detective partners now, okay, Elsa? And she's like, sure? Yeah, I guess. This poor I woman. Guess. She's like, I, what? Okay. <laughs> What's your name again, Killian? I guess this is my only option, so, all right. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're friends now. <laughs> when Mr. Gold doesn't seem to be in a mood for business as the duo have nothing to offer, Killian informs him that Mr. Gold can purchase his silence, as he knew that Belle never had the real dagger. Mr. Gold accepts the terms and performs magic on the strand of hair, returning it to its natural state, which happens to be snowflakes. Mr. Gold reveals that while the magic is similar to Elsa's, it is not exact, as everyone's magic is unique, like snowflakes. The magic will return to its source, and Hook and Elsa follow. After a while, because literally it flows out of the store, and I was sitting there being like, "Are you guys gonna go or what?" I know you're like, "If you're gonna fall, you're behind. gonna lose it." It's not that. It's not very big or obvious. <laughs> Elsewhere, Mary Margaret struggles to keep hold of baby Neil while she wrestles with his stroller. Archie comes over, gently urging the new mommy mare to separate from baby Neil from time to time. He is sympathetic to Mary Margaret's desire to not want to miss a second of Neil's life, as was the case with Emma. But he assures Mary Margaret that she and Neil will be better adjusted with some time apart. And as much as I love Archie, he at no point actually offers to help Mary Margaret. He just, like, lets her struggle and then pulls a, my work here is done, all on the tuxedo mask (laughs) meme. And like, buddy, Jesus fucking Christ, less talking and more helping the poor woman with the baby put the stroller in the car. I know, I was like, I'm glad you're trying to help Snow emotionally, Archie, but also pick up the damn stroller! So, okay, so funny that you both should mention this because when I went back to edit this scene and write a full-fledged paragraph, I actually had the scene paused and I wrote, Archie offers to help because that is what, in my mind, he did. 
and then I hit play and I was like, well, more fool me. Backspace, backspace, backspace. <laughs> because he doesn't. He just goes, looks like you're having a hard time. Well, jolly off I trot. boop a doop Archibald J. Cricket, you are supposed to be the decent one in this town. I he is know. fucking off his game today. I don't he know is. what's going on with him. Maybe he missed his cup of tea in the morning. Maybe. I mean, I know that wrecks it for me. Back in Arendelle of the past, Elsa and Kristoff find the urn first, but when Elsa picks it up, ancient runes magically appear on its surface. While Kristoff begs Elsa to destroy the urn immediately, Elsa is curious and wants to know if it can reveal more about herself. Their dithering allows time for Hans and two of his brothers to apprehend Kristoff, threatening his life for the urn. Instead of just freezing Hans, Elsa hands over the urn with instructions to Kristoff to find Anna and save Arendelle. Hans opens the urn in the hope of capturing Elsa. However, there is another being that is trapped inside it, the Snow Queen, who is the same lady from any given Sunday. In case you guys didn't know, because this is an audio medium. <laughs> she freezes Hans into an ice statue, prompting his brothers to run like hell. The Snow Queen immediately takes a shine to Elsa. Gosh darn, I just want to take a moment to say I, I love Elizabeth Mitchell, who plays the Snow Queen here. She always seems so dangerous and so intelligent behind a smile you just can't trust. She's just so good at these types of like these morally gray character roles that she often gets. And I love it. <laughs> I read that as these types of gay character roles. And I'm not sorry at all. I just <laughs> read that. Elsa returns to her castle with the Snow Queen, who has brought the urn. Elsa is gleeful that she has another ice-centric magic person to bond with, but the Snow Queen is taken aback by the portraits hanging in the room. The Snow Queen reveals that she is Elsa's mother's sister and is eager to reunite with her sister. Elsa breaks it to her that her parents were lost at sea, but she still has Anna, who is missing. The Snow Queen promises to help her find Anna. The wording in this scene is very deliberate and telling. Like, I want to point out that I've not seen this season, so I have no idea what's to come. But I have a theory that the Snow Queen might have caused the shipwreck. Like, my evidence is that Elsa says her parents were lost at sea. And her aunt immediately replies, oh, you must have been so lonely when she died. Like, she's confirming that she knows they're dead, even though they're technically missing. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but that just jumped out to me. Anyway. We return to the present where Killian and Elsa are following the snowflakes through the forest. They have a chat about Emma and her avoidance of Hook, who sees himself as so ardently charming to resist that he has blinded himself from the obvious, the difficulty of letting people in and trusting them when the weight of the world is upon one's shoulders. Clearly, Elsa has found a kindred spirit in Emma. <laughs> wink, wonk. Kindred spirit girlfriends. <laughs> sure. The pair discover a mysterious woman in the woods as the snowflakes land on a tree stump nearby. As they crouch, Hook calls Emma with the phone that she gave to him. This moment made me laugh so much. I love Hook and his cell phone and how he was like, I don't know how it works. I just push the Emma button and she talks to me. Well, it was honestly kind of cute. <laughs> first of all, it's, it's a burner phone. So we should we should say that like Emma definitely picked it up at like Walmart for, you know, $10.99. It was nice that she got him a phone. I like that he also said she sometimes... <laughs> yeah, like, she sometimes, sometimes picks up. Picks up. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I love Killian, but he is both stupid yeah. and accident prone. Yeah. So, you probably I don't think he's. All the time. 
I was just gonna say I don't think Emma was like well I'm gonna get him an expensive phone that he'll break in a week mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like I'm gonna get him the cheapest little Nokia brick that I can get for him <laughs> little boost mobile phone mm-hmm because I can't afford to like replace an iPhone every two weeks no I wonder if Killian and Henry are one time they're like on the couch or whatever and then like Killian takes out his phone but then he looks over and Henry's like on like the latest iPhone he's like what's that and he's like oh it's my phone and then he like sees Killian's phone he's like what's that he's like this is my phone he's like yours (laughs) yours is nicer why is mine why is mine stupid (laughs) <laughs> why is mine so much smaller and not as fancy and doesn't have the heart to tell him because i can be trusted with technology and you can't <laughs> you know possessions in general mm-hmm. because i'm not why we can't have nice things yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least she didn't get him a firefly oh yeah 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 do you remember those the phones like when cell phones were like first new that were like specifically like the old person's cell phone with the Mm -hmm. very very huge buttons that lit up yeah that would have been hilarious (laughs) (laughs) that like basically was like okay Mima, i'm getting you this so you can call me in an emergency my number's already programmed in Mm -hmm. you just have to hit two I mean, she did definitely have to self-program that in. Oh, no, she did. this because it's the Emma button. Mm-hmm. The Emma button. I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the dark gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to The Lost Boys and laughing at memes taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12. But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the fanged undead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts. Growing impatient, Hook decides that they will go and return with Emma. However, the Snow Queen traps Killian by frosting over his feet and trapping him in place. The Snow Queen clearly recalls Elsa, but Elsa has no recollection of her. Ingrid reveals that her memory has been wiped out by the rock trolls, just as they did to Anna as a child. At her sister's name, Elsa begins to question the other woman. The Snow Queen claims that Anna grew to fear Elsa and trapped her in the urn. Ingrid wants Elsa to learn the lesson that ordinary folk will always see them as monsters, which is why she cursed Marion and directed the blame at Elsa. Ingrid turns her murderous intentions towards Killian, and Elsa's magic cannot stop her as the latter neutralizes it. Just when it seems Killian will die from icicles falling from the sky, Emma and David arrive, shocking the Snow Queen as she visibly recognizes Emma, though she denies it when Emma questions her. With one big blast, Emma uses her magic to send Ingrid flat on her ass. 
Unfortunately, she escapes, but at least Killian is set free in the nick of time. Emma is such a boss with her magic in this scene. It's great to see her, like, owning it, like, shifting David and Killian out of the way and then going for the Snow Queen. I feel like Regina, if she had been there, she would have been proud. I like that you say shifting when she literally uprooted them and tossed them. Okay, yeah. (laughs) There was nothing dainty about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Emma paces around in agitation, not only because Ingrid escaped, but something seems familiar about her. David wants her to focus on the wind for now, and Hook echoes his support, but Emma is angry at Killian for having put his life in danger. She talks with Elsa and shares her suspicion that while Elsa was brought to Storybrooke by accident, the Snow Queen has clearly been here, and Emma does not believe it was via the curse. Meanwhile, at the mayoral office, Robin reveals that the real reason True Love's kiss did not work is because he is in love with someone else. Regina is hopeful! But knows Robin is torn and still feels compelled to stay with his wife. And Robin honestly needs to just shut up and go to hell because this is also goddamn gross. I know, like, shit or get off the pot, man. Just let bisexual Regina find a reliable woman to partner up with and get out of her life. I'm just like, Robin, this is so messy. So messy. It's gross. He's he's rapidly becoming that guy that's like, but he said that he'll leave her. Mm. And it's like, ah, ah! Anyway, Henry arrives at the box he was sent to retrieve, prompting Regina to remove Marion's heart from her chest before the ice touches it, in a really hilariously brutal fashion, actually, which preserves Marion's life. Now she just needs to find a cure to unfreeze Marion and return her heart. I don't think she needs to, but, you know, <laughs> she's a better man than I am. Marion is a really hard character for me to, like, properly talk about on the show. And the main thing is just the fact that, you know, I, I've seen the season, so I, I know what happens, but I want to keep things spoiler free. I also try not to talk too bad about her because I, I, I remember how much shit this poor actress got from the fandom. People were awful about her and racist. I remember they were pretty bad. So I, I feel really bad for this poor actress for everything, everything they do with her this season. Robin as well like Robin and Marion this season is just it's it's painful it's not fun I like a lot about the season but what they do with Robin and Marion and you know poor Regina here as well it's it's not fun later at Granny's diner Killian tries to charm Emma into having a drink with him one that she refuses he follows her trying to tell her that he understands how it is to have the weight of the world on her shoulders and how she finds it hard to trust him However, Emma says this is not about trust and about the men she loved before all having died and that she is afraid to lose Killian as well. Killian assures her that if there is anything he is good at, it's surviving. This scene, those little gut punch. Also, pour one out for, for the Graham reference. Stupid, mm. stupid, sexy Graham. I'll miss you forever and you'll always have deserved better. Also, Neil always deserved better. Of course. Wallace, love, you didn't. You. <laughs> we didn't really yeah. know you as anything other than a monkey, so. Yeah, and then before that, you were <laughs> the, the Wizard, Wizard of, of Oz, Oz, and yeah. And then so. you were a serial killer on Harper's Island. <laughs> yeah, so I'm so, not going to pour one out for you. But Graham and Neil, yes. And this is such a great little emotional Emma and Killian moment, and I, I really liked it. And I really, I really liked the acknowledgement of Graham. In our last scene, the Snow Queen is seen walking away in the forest that night. Mr. Gold sits on a fallen tree, waiting for her to cross by. 
He apologizes that things did not go the way she wanted, and Ingrid assures him that they will. He asks if Emma recognized her, and if it would be bad news if she did. Mr. Gold wonders aloud why the Snow Queen has not yet come to him for help. Ingrid says she will come to him when she's ready to make a deal, and Gold indicates that he is waiting eagerly for that day. And then the episode's over and we get to go home. <laughs> are Rumble and Ingrid like a ship people are into on uh, like the internet? Because no. I haven't noticed anything before. But like, I feel like there's got to be some fans because there is some very similar energy to like Rumple and Cora in that end scene. They kind of had chemistry in that last end scene. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm mad at this. Oh. <laughs> I just feel like some of the best Rumpelstiltskin scenes we do get is when he's like conspiring, but not really conspiring with like other antagonists. Mm-hmm. It's all it's he seems to always have chemistry with hot villain ladies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like always like trying to like outsmart each other, but mm-hmm. not Regina um, for fuck's sake. No, but like it, it, that's why <laughs> I'm like it's, they're very similar to that those like Cora vibes. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> overall, I thought this was a pretty solid episode. There were some nice character beats with most of the main cast: Henry and Regina, Elsa and Kristoff, Emma and Charming, Elsa and Killian, the new BFFs, Snow and Archie, Emma and Killian and so on we also got to properly meet ingrid our snow queen here with her charmingly menacing smile and her super sweet snow queen dress she's so sinister in a sweet way and i kind of love her she's you know not my favorite but but one of my favorite once upon a time villains like there's obviously a few way up there and like no one really tops peter pan for me but i do think ingrid's great and i'm glad she's here And also speaking of being glad someone is here, I am so glad that Will is here because I love him so much and I'm so glad we get to spend a season with him here because, well, I'm happy to be back in Once Upon a Time, the core show. Definitely miss seeing Michael Socha each week and so it's wonderful to see him here. This isn't a bad episode, even if it did make me really want ice cream and I'm very sad. My only arguments with it were that basically everyone this episode seemed to not be firing on full brain power and making some wildly dumb choices, which was baffling, and that the whole current Robin Hood plotline is gross and shitty and makes me want to throw him into a ravine. I like this episode, although it did give me flashbacks to the episode in season two, uh, wherein Cora frames Regina for Archie's alleged murder in order to manipulate her to like be closer to her like see they don't understand you it's Mm -hmm. only me and i'm like guys we've done this before yeah it is it is a little similar yeah ingrid stacking the cards against elsa Mm -hmm. so she turns to her is is very similar to i guess what cora did for upfront about it though yeah i go but the difference (laughs) is is that snow queen is upfront and Elsa already has like a whole bunch of friends in town. Mm-hmm. So, and they're like, we already know that you didn't do that. So. Yeah. And Elsa's like, mm-hmm. no, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Elsa has like crippling self esteem issues, but they're of a completely different nature than Regina. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it, I mean, it just had like similar vibes. Oh, no, for sure. Um, no, I see it. I see similarities there. But otherwise, yeah, I like this episode. And yeah, seeing Will like 
really just perked me up. I was like, oh my God, there he is. My special little man. Our guy, our you guy know, it's, is it's here. Like, it's like every time King comes on in the Owl House, because I just started that. And like every time King comes on, I'm like, yes, my little King, my baby. And that's exactly how, like, I have the same reaction to seeing Will. I mean, just wait till you get further into the Owl House and King will make you ball your eyes out. So oh no look forward to that oh god oh no <laughs> why would you say something like that that's terrible <laughs> how about we talk about costumes oh god <laughs> okay can can we swoon over the swoon the swoon queens <laughs> the swoon the, queen the, the snow queen's gown Ugh, i want to see that costume up close so badly from what i know of these costumes the camera can only pick up so much detail because i have seen some costumes that we've definitely dragged before but i've seen them up close now and i'm like oh shit that's actually really nice but i don't know there ought to be like a revival of all of these costumes on display like i just really want to see like the best of once upon a time anyway yeah that is the outfit that i was like "Ooh, yes i would like that thank you yeah it's a beautiful costume i especially love the collar i love the mm -hmm. way the collar's done and the, the chest cut out with like that like ice crystal ornament like it's not a necklace it's not necessarily a brooch i don't know what you call it a, an ornament i don't know it's beautiful it's not quite a snowflake but it's like an ice crystal like almost like a star ornament it's beautiful the whole costume is just very ethereal and lovely and I think her wispy hairdo looks great with this, the silhouette of the dress as well. I am also obsessed with the casual look Regina rocked this episode. Lana looked so good in the high-waist pants, tucked in t-shirt, vest, and ponytail combo. Oh, do you mean just the gayest little outfit she's ever worn on this show? Yes, I loved it. <laughs> I feel like she should run a newspaper in that outfit. Like, extra, extra, read all about it. Evil queen reformed and living her best gay life. Like, you know, she's there bright and early in the morning going, all right, people. Like, I love the smell of ink. Gay. I love the smell of gay. <laughs> I love the, I love the smell of ink on the presses in the morning. I mean, she turned Sydney Glass back in a mirror. Which, ugh, still mad about that. So there's an opening at the yeah, there is an opening at the mirror. Presumably, yeah, mirror, that's what it's no one at all is working for the paper now. Because <laughs> I think he might be the only employee. <laughs> well, it's her now because she's not yeah. there anymore. Yeah, she can do whatever. The field's wide open for her. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Who's that guest star? In season four, episode three, we have Tyler Jacob Moore as Prince Hans. This veteran turned actor is best known for his roles on Shameless, gcb the village and ride and i was gonna give a mention to the two yahoos who played his brothers but uh they really haven't done much so although I, I will say props to the uh casting department because one of his brothers the actor is actually norwegian right. and was surprisingly never on vikings i was like wow huh. i i, I would have thought that they would have plucked every english-speaking norwegian actor <laughs> i loved vikings i fucking love vikings so much vikings so good so good have you did you finish it we never finished it Ooh. we never finished it well it's over now so yeah you can definitely go back and you know finish it we definitely will especially since it has my sweet boy kato on it who's that he plays ragnar's son which one big oldest the first one. one. Oh, bjorn 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 he was he was kato in the hunger games oh yes 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 absolutely yes i under yeah Kato from Hunger Games, yes. And I had a very large Hunger Games obsession for a time in my life. 
That's fine. Oh my god, so, I, like I love me, him very much. I love putting on Hunger Games in the background, the way that like most people will put on like Harry Potter or like Disney movies. Like I just love them. <laughs> I physically only read the books once, but then I got really into those being my comfort audiobooks, and I think I've listened mm. to the audiobooks through probably four or five times. Oh wow! Oh cool! Yeah, I should I should listen to those then. That's an author who didn't, you know, emerge on Twitter to continuously say No, Suzanne things. Collins just took her check and kind of just went off into the wilderness and never said boo. Mm-hmm. Let's raise a glass to Suzanne Collins. I mean, she was a TV writer. Yeah, she was on Clarissa Explains It All. And I could tell by reading it that she was a TV writer because every chapter ended on a cliffhanger and it was a very, very dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a book I like to read because this is how I write. <laughs> so- <laughs> I no, haven't I... read the the new book yet, but I'm excited to. I know it's been out for a while. It just I haven't. I, have I didn't even know about it until like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I bought the copy right before our last move, mm-hmm. and we moved. I've yet to find the box where the book went, but my wife just bought it and she's about to read it. So maybe I can ask her politely to borrow it when she's done. I mean, honey, that's how you read the Hunger Games to begin with. You borrowed mine. Exactly. It's a perfect um <laughs> full circle. And then you were like, I cried on your book. And I was like, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I did cry in your book. I'm sorry. I was like, please cry next to the book and not on it. Please don't warp my book. You know how hard I try to keep my books in nice condition. I'm sorry for crying in your book a billion years ago. But you still married me, so. I did. I still married you, even though you waterlogged my book. (laughs) All right. Enough Hunger Games. Let's take a trip down Once Upon a Timeline. All right, so the flashbacks in this episode, we can assume take place around the same time as those seen the last episode, so season four, episode two, White Out. So basically, the flashbacks that most closely came before those are the ones there, because Elsa seems a little frustrated, a little bit of time has passed, so it's probably taking place, you know, after Anna and David's adventures in the last episode. And then, uh, once again, the ones we have seen so far that most closely follow the ones seen in this episode are those in Season 1, Episode 12, Skin Deep, where Belle first volunteers to work for Rumpelstiltskin in return for his help to save her home. And that's it for me. Time to our rants and raves and recommendations. I don't know that mine is really falls into any of those categories <laughs> necessarily, but it's, it's what I got because I try to stick to things that our audience can consume which some weeks is harder than others i watched carousel and i don't understand what i watched at all Mm -hmm. like the music is really good and the costumes are really pretty but it's really weird and confusing (laughs) and i do not know what my feelings are on it it's definitely not rogers and hammerstein's best work but critically often considered their best work how can it be the best work when Oklahoma is right there. I like the sound of music. Thank you. But also Cinderella yeah, is right Cinderella, there. Yeah. For fuck's sake, Cinderella. <laughs> anyway, I, I love know. Roger and Hamilton and Cinderella. I've just I've just sat here. Like I watched it last night and I've just like all day just been like, what the fuck was carousel? It's wild. It's <laughs> it's so wild. And I'm like, I feel like I tried to kind of prepare you for it, but I don't think I could. We went to see Bernadette Peters last weekend which was my mother's day gift to my mom and she was covering lots of sondheim and rogers and hammerstein and a few other things and she did a song from carousel and i had never seen carousel and i was like this song is actually really good should i watch carousel 
then I watched Carousel last night, and uh, I don't really know what happened to me. <laughs> I, I will ask you, I guess, after we record, like, what is what is it? I'll do seen, my best. I've only seen clips. So. I'll do my best to try and explain it. It's Billy is it's a terrible weird. man. He's a terrible man. And then he dies. And then he steals a star. What? And gives it to his daughter. And he's I like, it's to... all fine now. Someone on Tumblr, like, actually did a good, very weird write-up of it, and I need to find it, and I'll link it when I do, because I feel like they explained it better than I can. But the music's beautiful. The music's beautiful, and the costuming is absolutely gorgeous. Really pretty. It's it's certainly a story. But you know what is a fantastic story is Lynn and me saw Across the Spider-Verse, and it's so, 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 so good. I loved it so, 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 so much. And yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. It's one of the most gorgeous animated films I've ever seen. And so much heart. And I'm dying inside to see the next one. Luckily, we don't have to wait too long because I think it's coming out in March. Um, so oh, wow. less than a year. So by the time this episode airs, I will be in Seattle. And I'm going to assume that I'm having a great time as we're recording this. I leave in the morning. Um, I hope I had a nice flight. Also, happy birthday, narrator Lynn. This episode airs on your birthday. Yay! 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 Birthday, Lynn! Oh, and I do want to say, I have been listening to a new horror podcast called Malevolent by Harlan Guthrie. And I'm enjoying it. It has given me sufficient heebie-jeebies, and I'm still interested. So, yay. Yay for me. Mm -hmm. But it's still early days in the podcast. I'm on episode, like, 14 or 15. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. After Emma asks Hook out on a real first date, Hook visits Mr. Gold for a favor. Elsewhere, Henry and Mary Margaret try to cheer up Regina, and Will Scarlet causes more hijinks because he's a scamp. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale land that was, Rumpelstiltskin devises a plan to use Anna to help him acquire a magical box guarded by the sorcerer's apprentice. Oh, my soul left my body reading that line. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is you can't gaslight gatekeep girl boss your way out of this one, Robin. Visit us at Spotify for Podcasters to answer episodic questions, send us voice messages, or to find out other ways you can help support the podcast. You can find our page at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash once upon a rewatch. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon Rewatch. On Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch. On Tumblr at Once Upon a Rewatch.tumblr.com. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Mr. Gore...
Mr. Gord. <laughs> Mr. Gord, the pumpkin man. Uh, That'd fuck. be fun. Yeah. I, I welcome. I welcome Mr. Gord into our hearths. <laughs> to our homes. <laughs>